Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to The Legendarium on iTunes. Uh, check us out at thelegendarium.podbean.com and also write us at thelegendariumpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to The Legendarium. Today, Craig and I discuss The Fellowship of the Ring, Book 1, Chapters 3 through 5. The Shire goes ever on and on and on. With special guest, Will Garrett from the great state of Maine. Yes, indeed. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hey, Ryan. Hey. How was your reading? It was very enjoyable and, yeah, thoroughly uh, invigorating. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Um, so this week, uh, chapters three through five, Fellowship of the Ring, uh, we've humbly begun our journey. Um, we still are not out of the Shire yet, um, which is a, a point that drives Shire a lot of people. Big. Oh, yeah? You thought it was Hobbiton. Well, no, I knew there was more to it, but I did not realize just exactly how ridiculously long it would take them to get out of the Shire. <laughs> well, there's a lot to do. Um, including sing more songs, which I know you love. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, just wait until the next block. You're going to be very excited. Uh, we meet our first elves. Should yes. be very excited about this. Um, and, uh, you know, one of my favorite things is, uh, we get to, we begin to see the foundation of the friendship of Frodo and Sam. Uh, they, uh, you know, they definitely had this master servant relationship, but you can kind of see that, uh, that underneath the surface of that, it's uh, things are a little deeper, and we're we're just getting into that. Yeah, and I think that you also get a chance to discover if your only introduction to the series is through um, the films. I think actually this these chapters give you a chance to see a little bit more from Mary and Pippin and understanding a little bit more about their characters than you than you get from the films. At the beginning, they're just a couple of knuckleheads who just mm. happen to stumble into the into the path of this journey. But in the book, that's not the case. They are very well aware of what they're doing. Yep. It's awesome. So now before we get too much into the meat of things, just like last week, uh, or, you know, uh, that's when we recorded it, just like the last uh, episode, I want to start things off with Craig's Lord of the Rings trivia. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right, good. So without further ado, we're just going to jump right into it. 10 questions. Um, put 60 seconds on the clock, uh, immediately disregard those 60 seconds, and here we go. Frodo sells Bag End and leaves with which two hobbits? Uh, Sam and Pippin. Yes, very good, indeed. Um, all right, now, oh, geez, let's see, we might have to go back on this. Oh, it won't let me, oh, there we go. Okay. We can go back. We're going to start start this again. All right. We should pick up, uh, go back and pick up when you do the Craig's Lord of the Rings trivia and then give the explanation that we're going to be doing something a little different tonight. Well, I, I'm going to give that explanation once we get to the different thing. Got it. We can go out and cut this section. There's a couple edits I already know we need to make. I feel like I'm coming in so soft. Mm, not in my ears. Let's see. Okay, there we go. Now we can go back over here. Okay, 
So are you ready to play Craig's Lord of the Rings trivia? Yes, I am. Sweet. All right. So without further ado, here we go. Uh, Ten questions. Put 60 seconds on the clock. Now, please kindly disregard those 60 seconds. And here we go. Done. Frodo sells Bag End and leaves with which two hobbits? Pippin and Sam. Very good. All right. Who does Frodo hear conversing with a stranger before leaving Bag End? Uh, the old gaffer. Good. All right. Very nice. Very nice. Now, who is the leader of the elf company that Frodo meets on the road? I hate elf names. <laughs> it's a uh, Gildor. Very nice. Any more? Nope. <laughs> Gildor Inglorian of the House of Finrod. I do remember reading the Finrod and going Finrod Felagund, if you must know. Wow. <laughs> All right. Finrod. Okay. There's a lot about the Black Riders that's creepy. However, what, according to Pippin, was the most important creepy aspect of those writers? The... I'm going to say that they seem to be sniffing. Very good. All right. Nice. Um, Frodo receives a gift of mushrooms from whom? From Farmer Maggot. Oh, from Farmer Maggot's wife. Yeah, from Farmer Maggot's wife. Mrs. Maggot, you're down one. True or false, Frodo has purchased a decoy hobbit hole in Crick Hollow. True. No. Oh, Try again. He did purchase it, but it's not in Crick Hollow. It's in Brandy Buck. False. <laughs> it's actually a house. It is in Crick Hollow, but it's not a hobbit hole. Oh. He purchases a small house. Um, of the Hobbit friends gathered together there in Crick Hollow, who's the youngest? Mm. Pippin. Eh. Psych. Yeah, you got oh. it. It was Pippin. Uh, who fed the bulk of information to the conspirators? Sam. Very good. All right. The Hobbits cannot depart by road or through the gates because they'll certainly be watched. Which direction then do they decide to go? They decide to exit through the old forest. Yes, very nice. Now, someone has to stay behind. Who stays behind and why? Fatty Bulger? Correct. Why? Because we didn't want to have to read the name Fatty Bulger through the rest <laughs> of the book. <laughs> ding, ding, that's correct. No, he leaves, be- or he stays behind because he doesn't really want to leave the Shire. And also importantly, somebody's got to stay behind to keep up the pretense that Frodo is still residing at Crick Hollow. Ah. Uh. Now, bonus question, question number 11. Name just one of Farmer Maggot's three dogs. Oh. Um, nope, can't I'm it. not even going to buzz you on that one because it's the bonus question. Their names are Grip, Fang, and Wolf. Uh. <laughs> not bad, though. I think you missed, what, three or four? So Yeah. So now this week uh, with Craig's Lord of the Rings trivia... Uh, we have a little bit of a wrinkle, so Ryan has uh, thrown his gauntlet down. What, how many did you get right? I wasn't even keeping track. Well, like six or seven. Yeah. Um, we, now we have uh, somebody who's not such a novice, uh, and we're going to bring him on the line now. And I'm being told he's coming in from the Mines of Moria. Very exciting. I hope you're excited. I sure am. We have Will on the line. Will, thank you so much for joining us. You are here to compete with Ryan. Uh, in Craig's Lord of the Rings trivia. Bring it on. <laughs> We're very down. excited to have you. He scored uh, a six or a seven. It yeah, really doesn't matter because we don't keep track of the time. We don't keep track of the points. Um, <laughs> but we do have a lot of fun with it. So, uh, Will, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and uh, your your background with the Lord of the Rings. 
Well, I'm just a uh, a regular run-of-the-mill businessman in central Maine. And uh, I, you know, honestly, I don't know how big of a Lord of the Rings nerd I am. I appreciate the story. I've always felt like the story has, uh, I don't know, a lot of different ways it can be read and a lot of real-life significance to it. So I've enjoyed the stories. I've enjoyed the movies. And I have... I'm nerdy enough that I've done some some extracurricular uh, research on the subject. So, <laughs> I've, uh, it's, <laughs> so, we'll, so your we'll bookshelf. See how much competition I am. Yeah, uh, right, I am right. Ryan. <laughs> so you have an enviable bookshelf, I'm sure, by nerd uh, standards. <laughs> Honestly, here's the funny thing about Lord of the Rings. I, I actually don't like fantasy at, at all. Like it, the fantasy books, kind of bother me. And uh, Lord of the Rings is one of the first real stories I've been able to get into um, uh, that's been of that type. I, I tend to be extremely vanilla and mostly a nonfiction uh, person. Yeah, have there been any other fantasy series that you've tried and it, they just didn't work for you? No, no. I Honestly, I had no interest in it. You know the Lord of the Rings story is uh, is unique and cool if I like it because just I can't. <laughs> I'm just not a fan. We were talking about that a little bit last week. Uh, you know, Tolkien. Somebody, sometimes people say he's not a good writer, and I think it's because they're they are trying to read a novel, and he didn't write a novel. You know, it's yeah, I I don't know how to classify it. I'm not sure it is classifiable. It's an epic, you know. It's not uh, yeah, it's not Dan Brown. <laughs> it's not oh. the page turner. So, yeah, I can sympathize with that definitely. Um, anyway, so let's get into it. I've got ten questions for you um, in Craig's Lord of the Rings trivia. Uh, ten questions and a bonus, you know, just to just to put the screws to you. Uh, so here we go. Okay. We're gonna put sixty seconds on the clock. Do you have them? Now get rid of them because we're not paying attention to them. So here we go. Now Frodo sells Bag End and he leaves with which two hobbits? Which two? Yes, indeed. Mary and Pepper. I'm going to go ahead and call that one false. No, he leaves with Sam and Pippin. Sam and Pippin. There we go. Yeah. Oh, dang Mary it. goes ahead with his wagon to Crick Hollow. That's right. Dang it. All right. Now, who does Frodo hear conversing with a stranger before he leaves back? And I should know this. <laughs> I, was just re- I was just reviewing before we started, too, and I should. I can't remember. That's all right. That's all right. We've got Gaffer Gamgee on that one. Ah, that's right. <laughs> all right. Now, this one, I'll forgive you if you miss this one. Who is the leader of the elf company that Frodo meets on the road? Begins with a G. Yes, it does. Uh, I'll give you a bell on that one. Gildor? Very nice. Yes, I am impressed. Gildor and Glorion of the House of Finrod. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, moving on to the Black Riders. There's a lot about the Black Riders uh, that's creepy. What, according to Pippin, was the creepiest aspect? Or, sorry, what's the most important of those creepy aspects of the The writers? way they're sniffing. Very good. Nice. Um, now, moving on, Frodo receives a gift of mushrooms from whom? Dang, I can't remember their names. Sorry. sorry. Go, I, I, Man, I don't have that. You've name. got the hard ones. I'm <laughs> it was Mrs. Maggot, Farmer Maggot's uh, wife. Mag- That's right. Oh, dang, it's such a gosh. How did I miss that? All right. Now I'm going to give you a hint. This is a trick question. True or false, Frodo has purchased a decoy hobbit hole in Crick Hollow. It's a trap. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to say false. Correct. All right. You Curse correctly you. guessed because I gave you the hint, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I would have said true if you hadn't told me. Yeah, it is. Uh, I thought I really did, did buy it. it. 
He did. He did. Actually, it was a small house, not a hobbit it's hole. It's not a hobbit hole. <laughs> right. Oh, I didn't mention that. Yeah, <laughs> it's no. all right. You and Ryan are on par with that one. Um, <laughs> now, once the hobbit friends gathered together in Crick Hollow, who is the youngest present? Pepin. Very nice. Oh. Pippin, indeed. Yes, it is. <laughs> who fed the bulk of information to the conspirators? Ooh, I'm going to... Well, I, I don't know. There's a couple ways you go with this. I'm gonna say, depends on if you count them reading Bilbo's book and stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go with Bilbo based on that. Uh, it was, in fact, Sam. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. I okay. got you. Okay. That's right. So Mary, Mary gets a few I'm not sure where you were going with that exactly. Okay, got you. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Sam's the baby. Yeah. I was kind of counting him as amongst. Okay. <laughs> a couple more yeah, questions for you. Now, the hobbits, after they decide to leave, they cannot depart by road, nor can they go through the gates, because certainly those places will be watched. Which direction, then, do they decide to go? Into the old forest. Correct. East, through the old forest. Now, someone's got to stay behind. Who stays behind and why? Okay, I'll go. Does, does Pippin stay behind? <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's one that you're not going to be familiar with unless, uh, you know, you've read the books recently. It's Worst Fatty... Hobbit name ever. <laughs> Fatty Bulger. Oh, yes. Oh, and he has to stay behind. Uh, no, to... I'm not right. I, I haven't been reading this, you know, like uh, immediately. I was skimming right before <laughs> we got you. here. I got you. Now, he stays behind. Somebody's got to keep up the pretense that Frodo is still there. So yeah, that's, uh, that's right. Uh, so, yes, all right. Now, bonus question. So help me. If you get this one right, uh, you get all the points. All of them. Uh, bonus question. Name just one of Farmer Maggot's three dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's my, my detail. I'm not going to be able to get this. Yeah, I can't their even names are Grip, Fang, and Wolf. Oh, I remember. Oh, Wolf. I thought it like this. Oh, yes. A valiant effort, though. I should have got that. I would have won. Dang it. I would have got all the points. <laughs> Very nice. Well, Will, thank you so much for playing. Um, we really appreciate you coming on um, and uh, sharing with us uh, a little bit of your perspective on, on Tolkien and uh, just how good you are at uh, ridiculous trivia. Hey, well, sorry I wasn't working competition for you. <laughs> hey, I, think we, I think we ended up tying, so that feels pretty good for me. All right. Well, hey, I missed the easiest and first question, so I was—I was—I was, I was, uh, I was uh, podcast uh, nervous. I guess I don't know. That's all right. Next time, next time we'll bring you on for two towers at some point. All right, man. All right. Well, we do appreciate you, Will. Um, again, thanks for coming on, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty glad to be leaving the Mines of Moria at this point. Yeah, um, it was it was an adventure, but uh, yeah, I, I'm glad to be back in the land of Dead Sound. Well, anyway, let's move on. Um, now, as we get into the meat of it, um, I have a poetry alert for Ryan. Um, <laughs> I know this is your favorite part of the book. Um, and, and you know, to be honest, there were, what, like a half dozen poems and songs and whatnot that we that we encountered in these last couple chapters. Um, but I only really want to bring your attention to one of them. It's the second walking song. You remember the walking song that Bilbo sings as he leaves. The road, it's the road goes ever on. Oh yeah. Um, now we see it again. Do you remember Frodo is singing it? Um, yes. They're kind of on the road again, um, on their way to Kirk Hollow and, uh, and he sings it, but it was a little bit different. Did you bother to read it? Did you catch the difference? 
I did not catch the difference. I did. I actually made a concerted effort to try and read them. And I actually put tunes to most of them. I was able to do it and felt <laughs> very proud of myself for being able to do so. Oh, what I would do if I could live in your head while you read. Uh, but Probably kill myself. <laughs> you don't want to be in here. Um, <laughs> but I, I I don't think that was when I actually went all the way through to and finished. There were a few of them that I started and went, and eh, I'm done. Moving on. Yeah, it's you know it's a pretty short one. But so if you go back and compare the two, there's really only one difference. Um, well, Bilbo is pursuing his road with eager feet in his song and then as frodo is singing it from his memory he's he can't quite remember where it came from but as he's singing it he changes it to weary feet he's pursuing his road with weary feet um now if you're not reading super close you're not really going to catch it and it's not going to make that much of a difference to be perfectly honest but i did find it um instructive uh, or illustrative in how um, how these two characters start out their quests. So, you know, you got to keep in mind that we're reading a, a sequel here to, right. to the very popular Hobbit. Um, and, and we're moving on to this new Hobbit character, Frodo, who, you know, you might think, if you're not careful, is heading off on a similar grand adventure. And Tolkien's done a few things already to kind of make sure that we understand that this is very serious. He's not out to, you know, plunder a treasure you know, with a bunch of fun-loving dwarves, he's freaking saving the world, right? Right. So, you know, as as Bilbo is heading out, uh, uh, you know, he gets rid of the ring. He gives his ring to Frodo, and I guess I shouldn't say his ring. Anyway, um, you know, and, and he leaves, and, and he's headed to Rivendell. He couldn't be happier. You know, he's uh, finally leaving behind the things that, um, they, you know, that he was tired of. And so he's kind of bouncing uh, on his way. He's he's got eager feet, but Frodo knows what's ahead of him, and it's nothing nothing fun. It's nothing good. It's nothing safe. So you know he throws in this this word weary to, and, to illustrate that. Well, I, I I find that interesting a little bit in the sense that um, Bilbo did leave on an adventure. He did go out, and but he did he was aware that there of some of the danger going into his journey as well. Um, I just think that the difference is um, in what your end goal is going to be. Uh, Gandalf even tells Frodo at one point that maybe this will take you all the way to the cracks of Mount Doom. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe not. But maybe not. You know, this might be someone else's burden to carry. But if you're not sure of that and you've been and you basically are aware you're going to certain death is a little different than, you know, you know, Bilbo being told. We need you to go, you know, we need you to be a burglar for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and the other thing is the consequences of the quest. If Bilbo and the dwarves failed in their quest, then the status quo is maintained. Well, as far as they're concerned, you know, we can zoom out and say that that that's not the case. But, you know, as far as Bilbo is concerned, oh, well, you know, I didn't get the treasure. I'm going to go home, had a great adventure, whatever. Um, But if... If Frodo uh, somehow fails on his uh, quest, uh, you know, he's captured by the Black Riders or succumbs to the power of the ring, uh, bad things are going to happen, and he knows it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, let's make sure we're, I guess, uh, aware of, of Frodo's state of mind at this point. So, anything else you want to add there? 
No. All right, good, because I have a theme alert for you here. I, I think I've got a couple of them. You're, you're really into this alert That's true. Thing. It's, you know, it's like uh, if you ever watch Fox News, um, they always have a Fox News alert, even if it's like, the fireman found a squirrel in a tree. Fox News alert. <laughs> Find it hilarious. Anyway, um, so this, <laughs> let me just uh, uh, describe it to you a little bit here. We we first hear the cry of the Black Riders in Chapter 4. Now, anybody who's heard the cry of the Black Riders in the movies has that seared into their soul. Mm-hmm. It's this terrible, terrible sound, right? Um, and it's straight out of the book. It's described um, in Chapter 4 uh, as as evil and lonely. They hear it coming uh, as though it's an evil, some evil and lonely creature. Mm-hmm. Now I found this really interesting. Um, and you can tell me if you do, <laughs> maybe you don't, um, that, uh, it, the, okay. So I'll just tell you the word lonely really reached out and grabbed me. You know, why, why would, do we care if it's lonely and how do you describe that? You know, how do you hear that mm-hmm. in some cry? And I guess you can. But I think really the reason that we're uh, that our attention is drawn to this is because Tolkien is going to uh, subtly remind us throughout um, this this book that there's a correlation between uh, solitude, uh, aloneness, um, you know, one thing, one purpose, one uh, you know, one ring to rule them all. This this is equated with evil. Maybe not equated, but correlated with evil. And then we're supposed to understand that uh, the good things uh, in life are enjoyed in community with others. I see. I, I see the theme you're getting at here. So, you know, and it's it's just a little tiny um, uh, snippet out of this chapter. Um, and it doesn't really tell us much here. But and And to be perfectly honest, I don't have other evidence to back this up yet. I suspect that it's going to be the case just, you know, based on how many times I've read this before and and what my thoughts tend to be at this point. But I could be proven wrong. But the reason I call it a theme alert is just because I think we should pay attention to this and see if it's uh, something that's going to come up in the future. Maybe more of a theme warning than a theme alert. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Now, but this point, if if this is the case, I think it brings up an interesting uh, an interesting point for us. Here today, you know, we've been having uh, a debate for the last 250 years or so in our Western culture, especially in the U.S., um, about a a similar question. What's more important? Um, We could say what's more important to the well-being of society, the good of the individual or the good of the community? What should we be pursuing? What's the most important? And, uh, you know. I don't know. Before I go on, I talk a lot. I want to hear what you have to say on the matter. That is, that is such an interesting uh, concept. And the cop out answer is, well, you have to have a bit of both. <laughs> sure. It, so explain your cop out. It really is. It's it's the cop out answer, um, but that's because there's the truth to it. Uh, community and large groups and, and be the welfare of that and the well being of, of those is made up of the well-being of the individual. So if you say that, well, if you only focus on the well-being of the individual, the problem is, is you will end up with a lot of people in different directions that cannot successfully help a community. The community has to thrive on a common ideal that everyone, that everyone has, whether it be, I mean, something as simple as geography, you know, everyone who lives in the same city, you know, that's, you know, that's something that they're sharing in common, a common piece. 
Um, but on an individual, there has to be that individual level of, of focus in terms of, you know, whether it's developing skill sets or, or personal interests, you know, whatever it is, if that's not nourished and, and kept going, then you end up with, um, a rather bland community that doesn't really succeed much because well, I can't, if we don't nurture our own talents, if we don't uh, build up our own, um, uh, estate, however we want to think of that, then we're not going to be able to contribute to the community. Exactly. We're going to be a bunch of loafers, uh, kind of hoping that, hoping that the community will drag us along through life. Yeah. Or, or we're content with the status quo. And sometimes that's actually, I mean, there are times when that's just as bad as, as you know, being a freeloader is, is being uh, just stagnant and not willing to, to change or make any different, make any uh, movement towards uh, a different direction or change. And that's something that you see that it's one of the few reasons why, even if you take this idea you have of, of kind of lonely and, and this individual, you know, cause Frodo and, and Sam end up going off on their own. They're still, it's still a pairing. It's not entirely alone. Um, and they, they feed off each other to help resist these, uh, you know, the, the ring, but, and yeah, I totally lost my train of thought. It was <laughs> terrible because it was good and I was going to prove everything and solve the solve it all i was excited personally personally and then equate it back into the lord of the rings it's fantastic um no it's all right so you know we will equate it back into lord of the rings like i said i think this is something that we'll want to uh keep our eyes on uh, as we move forward because maybe your thoughts will coalesce more effectively as we see more of this theme kind of coming up uh throughout the rest of the of the books um, now, another uh, theme that I wanted to bring up is that of class issues. Um, you you can't find a book written during the 20th century when class issues don't come up. Yeah, uh, yeah or, that, that's true. Or if you I was do, wondering where you're going with that statement. <laughs> or if you do, then it's a crappy book. Um, so classes... Now, uh, let me back up. We've only been in the Shire so far. Five chapters... And all we've met so far um, in The Lord of the Rings is a bunch of hobbits. So we, we've gotten to know a little bit about hobbit culture. Um, and uh, now these classes are certainly distinct in the Shire. You have the upper class. I'd definitely say Bilbo's wealth put him there. And, mm-hmm. and thus Frodo is there as well. you got to think of late 19th century England. Who is the, who is the person who lives in a mansion that, that they name something? You know, it's not just my house, it's Bag End. Right. Um, who lives in a mansion who keeps a, a manservant in Sam Gamgee. You know, th- this is definitely, if not aristocratic, very wealthy. Um, and, and then you have the other end of that, the Gamgees, for instance. These are the servant class. Um, and you have uh, those in between. You know, I'd, I'd assume that, uh, like, Pippin would be somewhere between the two. Um, now what uh what i found interesting is that we get uh, some good ind- indications that this distinction this class distinction was treated uh differently by different hobbits so as lobelia sackville baggins inherits bag end she kind of you know makes a disparaging remark or you know something in her tone of voice tells the reader or you know the the narrator tells the reader that she looks down on the gamgees right and and finds them capable of just about any sort of you know, thieving act. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can tell she really looks down on, on these folks. And then you have Frodo 
um, who treats Sam definitely like a servant. I mean, Sam, do this. Sam, I need you to go do this. Keep your hands off my mushrooms. (laughs) But, uh, but he does it with a lot more respect. Um, so there's, there's a certain distinction there, uh, between the two. Um, and, and I don't have a lot more to say on the subject right now. Again, it's just something that I wanted to bring up. Um, so that we can keep an eye on it as we move forward. I do have something. It's along those lines, not entirely. Uh, it, it raises the question that I've, that I've had as I've been reading. Um, and this is true with, with just about any author is the question of why is this important to know for the story? And is it important to know for the story? Because I will tell you in most, if you look at most, uh, most of the more modern, uh, writings, Mm -hmm. If you have to get your character going and it takes five chapters just to get him out of his hometown or where there's not really much developing, the editor will personally burn your book, you know, or at least four chapters or you know, three <laughs> chapters. And they'll say, you know, you need to yeah. you need to move things on quicker. So my question that I was kind of raising is why do why does he feel it's important to inform us about why do we need to know so much about hobbits? Like, why do we need to know about this class system that's there? Why do we need to know? Those things. Why is it important? Because it does it forward the plot much. The only thing that I I can draw from it so far is that is he wants us to see something in the hobbits as to why they're able to you know why is Frodo able to deal with these rings? Why is it that hobbits will in the end you know determine the fate of Middle Earth? Mm -hmm. When you look at how uh, simple folk they are, you know there was quite a few moments in there where I'm just like you know this. Why do I care about their love of mushrooms. Right. Sure. Sure. How is this going to play in, you know, <laughs> anywhere else in this story? My 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 example of that, the worst offender in these three chapters was the. Um, it's not even a paragraph; it's a set off section. Um, you know, with two carriage returns between each side, where it, Tolkien goes on about the origins of uh, of brandy brandy hall the brandy buck yes or whatever i can't exactly can't that, that's another one of those moments. so it's you know i'm sitting there going well okay i mean i find it interesting if only for the immersive aspect of it but in reality no it's not that interesting who cares um now let me take a stab at your question uh, at an answer to your question um as to you know why do we care why do we spend five chapters with these hobbits and I think, first of all, again, we have to go back to this is not a novel. You know, the, right. we're not, he's not writing this for the sake of a plot. Um, he's got something to say beyond, you know, telling a, a, a rip roar and good tale. Um, and, and with these five chapters where we're, we're interacting with nobody but hobbits, and, you know, we're going to continue with pretty much the hobbits you know, for quite a while here. Um, we need to get to know these characters in a more nuanced way so that we can identify with them. So they have very distinct characteristics. We can start to identify personally, maybe with Frodo, maybe with Sam, Pippin, Mary, whoever it is um, that we see ourselves most like, because after we've identified with these, uh, these little hobbits, they're going to go out into the wide world and they're going to meet a bunch of other characters. Now, the other characters that they're going to meet are not uniformly, but often they are straight up stereotypes. They are, um, they're not sketched out there well that well. They're simply there to represent a certain 
character trait. Um, mm-hmm. And and how are these hobbits going to deal with uh, interacting with this person? And like I said, that's not that doesn't go for every character we meet, um, you know. But uh, you know, you take an Aragorn for instance. The dude is he shows very little progression, character progression, very little um, interesting nuances. He's just rock solid, awesome from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with Faramir, um, and, and so. It's uh, and there are some bad characters in there as well. That uh, so we'll see the interaction between the two. We're able to identify with the hobbits and and see how they react in certain situations, and therefore how we might react. Okay, I can see that. Oh, that was long winded. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it got it got the question fairly well answered, and it I do see, I do agree that it helps to it helps to identify and to uh, really pull you into those characters. I want to take a second here. One of the other things while I was reading, I've decided I'm going to give certain awards out as they come to me. And this brings up another question while I give out my first award. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard this yet. Uh, I'm either, uh, I'm debating on how to word this. It's either the worst name for a character <laughs> in good literature mm-hmm. or the most, um, what would be the proper term for that? Um, innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And I'm I, I'm I'm wondering if you, you if you've already got uh, the character. Oh, sure. You've already mentioned it once. It's Fatty Bulger. There, there's a you're introduced to this character, Fatty Bulger. Which, by the way, if I ever need a geek porn name, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. But that's so. Yeah, it you enter this character to me. It's like, hey, we need someone to stay behind. So I'm going to write this character we're going to write off here really quick. Sure. Fatty Bulger. <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't have named him just something simple. I mean, I understand Mary I, and the, Most of the names, I get it. They're different. It's a different genre, different names. That one, I come back to one of the things I think I said in one of the earlier episodes, Mount Doom. I don't know. We just need some guy who's going to sit around and do nothing for the rest of it. We're not even going to refer to him again, probably. He's just some fat guy. Oh, fatty. <laughs> fatty. Yeah, fatty. Oh, look. Folger. No, I can't do Folger. Bulger. Fatty Bulger. Oh, that, you know, that's not so good. Oh, like he had any inkling, pun intended, that <laughs> that this would be, you know, uh, perceived that way. Yeah. Welcome I, to I, the 21st century, folks, where everything is in you In you Yeah. But that's it. That's my my first award is given to as the worst character name in good literature, Fatty Bulger. I, I, all right. I guess I can get on board with that. Now, speaking of Fatty Bulger, I've got one more question for you. Um, now, again, for those who maybe have missed uh, what's going on, Ryan is reading this for the first time. Now, Ryan, are you frustrated by the fact that we meet so many of these characters uh, that have little bearing on, on the quest proper? You know, I'm thinking of Farmer Maggot, Polko Boffin, Fatty Bulger, of course. <laughs> um, so how do you, as you're reading it, how do you treat these characters in your mind? Do you kind of skip over them like you would the, the poems, the songs? No, I don't skip over them. The, I, they all, I treat every character as if they have something to bring or something that should be affecting the story. When I leave those characters and they haven't done something, that kind of irritates me a little bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, take, for example, uh, Farmer Maggot. I, I, awesome name, by the way. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I, I'm I'm more okay with that name. Um, but you take Farmer Maggot. What is the purpose he serves in terms of progressing the story? He allows he is their 
mode of getting to the ferry mm-hmm. without being caught. Other than that, I mean, we get this whole history about how Frodo's been afraid of him and his dogs for 30 years. And, you know, the this is where the whole mushrooms things comes from. And it's like, I don't even, you know, why is this, in, why, why do I need to go through this character to have this happen? You know, it's, it's not anything that I'm like really bothered. Like I refuse to read any further, or anything like that, but <laughs> I just, it's, it, it, are you just going to write them off? I mean, every book has characters that you just kind of read and they disappear because they don't, they're secondary. They're second. Yeah. They're secondary. Tertiary. It, I want to use the term MacGuffin in terms that's film, but essentially just something that moves the plot along but serves no other purpose and will disappear as soon as <laughs> sure. the plots move forward. But yeah, I just don't understand. Well, you know, and I, I would just say, uh, I agree with you at this point in the book. Give it time. Yeah. We care. Uh, we do care. Um, and I think that's where we're going to leave it, at the fact that we really care. Uh, we care. <laughs> um, so we are going to move on to our next section. Um, and we will... I think we're going to meet Tom Bombadil. Uh, yes, I've heard many things about this. Oh, Mr. now, Bombadil. do not... Whatever you do, do not take any preconceived notions into Tom Bombadil. He was cut out of the films for a reason, for a good reason, uh, but that doesn't mean that uh, he's anything to be afraid of or to have, you know, trepidatious feelings about. Very well. I will go in with a neutral and clean slate for Tom Bombadil. Right on. Okay, we will uh, discuss next week. All right. Peace, Middle-earthers. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to The Legendarium on iTunes. Uh, check us out at thelegendarium.podbean.com and also write us at thelegendariumpodcast at gmail.com.